Well, good morning, friends. This is podcast number 355 for Thursday, August 19th. We're going to continue in Mark chapter 14. I want to review a couple of verses, and then I want to make sure that um, we understand that the Jesus life wasn't taken from him. He, the Bible says, came to give his life. We know that from our scripture in Mark chapter 10. Let's look there, in fact, at verse 45. Mark 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He wasn't tricked, he wasn't duped, um, and it didn't go too far. It was exactly what the plan of God was. Now, go back to Mark chapter 14. We'll review a couple of verses, and then I want to get into the providence of God about Jesus' death, and then we'll get into Peter and his denial, which I think is incredibly important for us to understand that we're just like him. We, we we harshly look at Peter and say, oh, we wouldn't have done that. And I just don't believe it. I think I would have failed miserably. I wouldn't even have gotten that far uh, to uh, to be with him and to, to follow that close and to risk my life. Um, how many times have I remained silent when I should have spoken up here with no threat of any uh, anything other than maybe somebody might not like me, right? I don't want to st- I stand up when somebody takes the Lord's name in vain or somebody says, oh, that's not true. I wonder how many times I've walked away saying, oh, it's not worth the fight. It is worth the fight. It is worth to stand up and proclaim that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he is. So let's look at Mark chapter 14, 61 through 65 first, and then I want to uh, share some verses from Luke and from Acts. So have your notepads ready um, and your Bibles ready, and here we go. Mark chapter 14, verse 61. Uh, But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, so now he's under oath. He has to speak. Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Which is, are you saying that you're the Messiah? And Jesus said, I am. Circle I am. Remember from Exodus 3.14. And um, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, what further witness do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving of death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, prophesy, and the guards received him with blows. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the movie The Passion. But when I saw it, I wanted to stand and yell, quit beating him. And yet I don't think The Passion um, could grasp near what um, the Romans did to him. And yet it was the providence of God. And how do we know that? How do we know that? Let's look at Luke chapter 24. Let's look at Jesus' own words. In Luke chapter 24, we know it's the road to Emmaus. We know that Jesus has showed up on the road to Emmaus with with a couple of disciples. And let's look at verses, first of all, 22 through 27. 22 through 27, they're having this conversation. Jesus just kind of standing by. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. This is Luke 24, uh, 22 and 23. And when they did not find the body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels and said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb. That would have been um, Peter and and John. And found it as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all of what the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning, listen to this, himself. 
the things that were concerning himself. Jesus schools them from the Old Testament because the New Testament wasn't written, right? They had the Old Testament. Now, go to verse 44. Verse 44, Jesus talking to them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. So these disciples were at least in the 72. They were that close to Jesus that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, underline Psalms, because somebody's going to say to you someday, oh, the Psalms aren't really scripture. They're just, they're just songs. Really? Jesus quotes from the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, and they must be fulfilled. Then he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. So he says here, these three, law of Moses, prophets, and Psalms, and then he calls them the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, scriptures, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning with Jerusalem. Remember, he told him, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, in Acts chapter 1. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, which he promised in John chapter 14, 15, 16, which is the promise of the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus said these things had to happen. And to clarify it, he took them to the scriptures. Now turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And verse 27 and 28. Acts chapter 4, verses 27 and 28. Peter standing, talking, defending uh, the words and says, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel. He doesn't release the Israelites from, from responsibility. Verse 28. Now, this is a, you need to understand this. Verse 28. And they did to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They only did what God planned for them to do. It doesn't release them from responsibility. It just shows you that in the providence of God, he's willing to use whoever or whomever it would take to fulfill whatever he wanted done. So Jesus, yes, was crucified. Jesus was tried unjustly, but it wasn't outside of the plan of God. I just want to make that clear. He didn't accidentally fall into this. They didn't trap him in his own words. Jesus spoke and Jesus was crucified and everything that was done was done according to the word of God. Now, let's go to verses 66 through 72. My Bible calls it Peter's denial of Jesus. Matthew chapter 14, verse 66. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servants' girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene, Jesus, but he denied it. There's one saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed once. And the servant, second girl, saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But he again denied it. And second time, and after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are with him for you are a Galilean. They knew by his dress, his accent, everything that he was a Galilean. But he began to curse 
uh, invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time and Jesus remembered, or excuse me, Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and he wept. He broke down and he wept. We see the repentance of Jesus or of, of Peter. Judas didn't repent. Judas threw the money back at at uh, at the religious leaders, and then he went out and he hung himself. He tried to pay for his own sin. Peter didn't. And we give Peter a hard time. But look at the pressure that Peter was under, and look at what was going on. He was following a man for for these three years who nobody understood, and he didn't truly even understood understand him. And at the last point, when Jesus said, you're going to deny me, but Peter, when, when you return to me, he knew that he would return, when you return to me and go and do as I have asked you to do. Look at uh, Luke 22. Luke 22, Luke takes this um, and, and, and reveals even a little bit more. Luke chapter 22, verses 61 and 62. Luke chapter 22, verses 61 and 62 says this, And the Lord turned, so the rooster crows. Peter has denied him, and the Lord turned. And look at Jesus, or Peter was, the, this says in the courtyard, he was close enough to see, but he wasn't close enough to hear. And Peter, uh, uh, let me read this. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm messing this up a little bit. But verse 61, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Not a look of condemnation. I don't believe it was a look of condemnation. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Peter, the rooster crows today, you will, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. And then it goes right back to the trial. And Jesus is mocked, Jesus before the council, Jesus before Herod. What a horrible thing. The, the last look before Jesus is crucified, he looks at Peter. But I don't believe it was a look of condemnation. And I don't believe that because we find in John chapter 21, John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19, a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. And he takes Peter aside and he says in John chapter 21, verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. In verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. What was Jesus doing? He was restoring him. Jesus wasn't doing this three times because uh, Peter denied him three times. I don't believe that. Jesus is not, uh, uh, you know, um, what you do to me, I'll do to you. Jesus wasn't into that. But I, leave, I believe that Jesus was getting to the heart of Peter and then he restored him. And verse 18 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you and where you do not want to go. What in the world does that mean? And he explains it to Peter in verse 19. 
Uh, this is said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after this, he said to him, follow me. There was this restoration. A restoration. That's what God is about. That's what the death of Christ is about. It's about this res restoration and it requires repentance. And, and just a few days later in Acts chapter 2 and verse 14, turn there, we see Peter standing standing on the day of Pentecost. And it says, but Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all of you who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Now turn to 37. We won't look at the whole message that Peter preached. It's very long, but you go into Acts chapter two. This is his first message that, that Peter preaches after he's uh, restored and after he's called and in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. He understood repentance now in a very, not a theological way or not in a, in a, in a historical way, but in an evidential way. He experienced it. What it means to repent be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord your God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. And I say amen to that. And I say that to you today. Have you repented? Have you asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sins? And then one day you'll follow him in baptism because it's what, baptism doesn't say this, but it's that outward symbol of what Jesus did and is doing in our hearts. In verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wow. Just a few days earlier, he denies Christ. But in between the denial and this great message is the restoration in John chapter 21. Jesus ministers to him and says three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then he challenges him to follow him and this way to completely follow him. Look at 1 John toward the back of the Bible. 1 John chapter 1 verses 7 through 10 says, but if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us, continual cleansing. Verse eight, but if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. We're all sinners. Romans three twenty three tells us we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Oh, I just made a few mistakes, Gary. No, 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 you've sinned. You've broken the law of God. Every one of us. And if we say we haven't, we are liars. Verse 9 says, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins as it cleanses from all unrighteousness. He's faithful and he'll do it if we ask. And then he, he doubles down on saying, verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Our mistakes are not just mistakes. We're sinners in need of a savior. And what great length that Savior went to provide for us the salvation that we cannot get on our own. No amount of good works, 
no amount of social goodness, no amount of giving to the poor, no amount of, of, of helping the homeless, no amount of walking people across the street, no amount of visiting your neighbors and making sure they're okay will get you saved. Those are things we do because they are good to do, but our salvation is based on one thing. It's based on what Jesus Christ has done for us, and then we respond to his grace and his love. And we repent and we ask God to forgive us. And then we showcase what God's done in our hearts, our activities to a lost and a broken world. Have you done that? I pray that you have. If you haven't, you can do that now in the privacy of your own home. Numbers chapter six, let me close in prayer. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace. God bless you. Till we talk again.